Happy Easter. Wow, you know, I was, I was uh, going through and uh, doing some calculations. You guys know from a couple of weeks ago that I really love my math. <laughs> my wife, after that sermon, she said, you gotta stop that stuff. That's too much counting. I ran out of fingers and toes. And, um, but uh, it's been three years since we were here in coal at Easter time. That's been a it's so good to see that you guys remember where we are and, and how to get here and that you still enjoy hanging out and showing up and being together. But it's, it's good to be here, amen? Good to be here this Easter. Hey, I don't know if you guys noticed, but all of that was actually scripture reading. Uh, most of that, uh, the dialogue there was taken straight from uh, God's word and the different gospels and it just told the story of, of Easter, told the story of uh, Jesus' disciples going to his his grave and finding it empty. And uh, that's what we're here to celebrate this morning. Hey, uh, throughout the history of the church, um, way back early, uh, somebody started this tradition, has been a tradition ever since, especially on Easter. The, the church would regularly, the, whoever was leading worship or the pastor or someone would say, he is risen, and the congregation would respond, he is risen indeed. So this morning, we're gonna start out, he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. One more time, he is risen. He is risen Amen, that's what we're here to celebrate. Let me pray for us as we get started and we look at God's word. Father, we wanna thank you for this to us. We thank, wanna thank you for bringing us back here safely uh, to be together and to worship you, but also to just to re- be reminded of the fellowship and the joy that there is, the, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the encouragement really that there is to be with others who are following you. And to see each other safe and well, to see each other, I mean, we've gone through stuff, and I know that there are, there are stories in this room that you alone know. But Father, you have been there with us, and it is good to know that you have brought us back. And uh, Father, uh, we want this to be your time. So we pray that your spirit would be here, fill this room, set it apart for your work. We pray that you would open your word to us, that we would hear the story of Jesus, the story of Easter time, maybe for the first time in a very different way, that it would pierce to our hearts, that it would change us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you guys have ever thought about it this way, but the resurrection was to Jesus Christ what an exclamation point would be to a sentence, right? I mean, sometimes you'll read through a sentence and you don't necessarily know how exciting the words are until you get to the end, and then you see that you know, straight line and the dot underneath it, and you're going, oh, wait a second, those, those had a lot more excitement, a lot more power, a lot more depth to them than I thought. That's how Jesus' life was. Jesus went through, and, and it wasn't an ordinary life. They were pretty extraordinary events even in the course of his life, but you saw his life go through, and you're going, you're going through that, and... and um, and then you get to the end of it and you see the resurrection and all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a second. It like amplifies everything that was there before it. Romans 1 verse 2 through 4, it says, it basically it says, yes, the prophets had foretold him. And we know that in the Old Testament there were these prophets and they said, there's somebody coming. And they said, yeah, and that was a big deal. And yes, he was also the, the heir of the throne of David. So David was the king that God had set over his people, and he said Jesus was the one who was the heir to inherit that throne, to be over God's people, and that was a big deal. But he said, but 
In Romans 2, verse 4, it says, he was declared to be the son of God. I mean, that's a big deal. Declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead and the power of God's own Holy Spirit. That was like the exclamation point where you look back and you say, oh, this is a big deal. Many people have told the story of Jesus and they've used different kinds of punctuation at the end, haven't they? They might use like a, a period. They say, yeah, he was just an ordinary guy, lived an ordinary life, died an ordinary death, end of story. There's some people that might end it with a question mark because they don't know exactly what to do with Jesus. But we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, right? So we believe that there's no, there's no ending to his story. There's no punctuation mark that's appropriate other than the one that God gave it when he raised him from the dead. The exclamation point belongs at the end of the story of Jesus because he's risen. Amen? He's risen. Oh, you're almost there. He is risen. risen Amen. Father, again, we give you this time. I want us to take just a moment right now as we think about what God wants to do here. As we think about why we came here, just close your eyes. For some of you, you can just kind of lay your hands open and just say, God, whatever you have for me, just bring it. Let's get in a posture of just receiving God's word, of receiving from his spirit, because I want you to know his spirit is here to speak to you this morning. So let's take all that clutter about how we're going to possibly pull off that, that lunch this afternoon with all those people, put it aside. Let's take all that clutter from this last week and the chaos. Maybe it goes beyond this last week. Maybe it goes the last two, three, five, ten years. But just put it aside for a moment. Let's open our hearts up to hear God's Spirit speak. Holy Spirit, come and teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I don't know about you guys, but I've loved these last couple of days. Yeah? I love the spring. I love when the weather warms up because the sun finally makes its way back to the northern country where we all are abiding. Um, I, love, I love to go out in the mornings and in our neighborhood, you'll smell this fragrance that you don't, hear the re- you don't smell the rest of the year because all the flowers are blooming and it kind of hangs on the air. You know, I love that in the springtime. I love getting together to celebrate Jesus on Easter because it reminds us about what we're, what we're here for. It reminds us about God's love. It reminds us of how, how relentlessly he chased us down until he found us. I love all that, and, and honestly, Easter, that's the top one, but I gotta tell you, um, I, love, I love spring also because I love baseball. <laughs> I do. I love, I love watching it. I love when the Cubs are playing, and they're not doing so bad at the start of the season, so, um, so I'm okay for a while. But I, I love watching it. I love playing baseball. I love even that kind of slow pitch softball style that I got to stick with because it's about my speed. Um, I love, I even love the nachos and the bad hot dogs and stuff. That you can't get that bad of food anywhere else, just there. And so it goes with the game, you know? And so I, I love it. I love that stuff. But the part I love the most, one of the most ex- kind of, um, one of the best parts for me is 
every time a new batter gets up and that off and they have, it's almost like this really intense conversation, but they don't use any words, right? And, and the, the pitcher is kind of an advantage because he has a, an accomplice in the, in the catcher. So the catcher's throwing all kinds of signs to him and the pitcher's just sitting there and he's kind of, he's nodding or he's, he's shrugging it off. And then, and, and the batter's sitting there and no matter what's going on, the batter gets up and he or she will stand at the plate and get in stance and, and, and kind of, and then stare at the pitcher as if, to say, you know, the words would be, it'd be, I don't know what you two are talking about, but whatever you got, I'm ready, right? And so you see this conversation go, and then the pitch comes. And, and most, you know, most often that first pitch, it goes sailing right by them. Sometimes it's a swing, it's a miss, it's a strike. But every so often, every so often, what, you, what I love is you see the pitch come in, and the batter swings and connects. I mean, and it connects, and this, this crack just rips through the air, and no matter what you're doing in the ballpark at the time, immediately your, your attention goes and you're looking for that ball because you know it's sailing over the air. You, you know it's going over the, over the infield. It's going over the heads of the outfielders. It goes over the wall. It goes into the stands or into the field beyond. You go, that was it. That's what we came for, right? That's like, that's like the exclamation point in baseball, isn't it? And that batter at that moment right? The batter, he doesn't say a thing. You know, an exclamation point sits at the end of a sentence and it doesn't make a sound. We have no word or no sound that we use for it. It just changes the whole sentence, doesn't it? In the same way, the batter doesn't say anything. He just looks at the pitcher, kind of like, I told you. Told you I was ready. Drops the bat, kind of saunters around the bases, comes in waving to the crowd, high-fiving the, the, the coaches on the way in but didn't have to say a thing because the exclamation point doesn't have to make a sound. Just changes everything about the sentence. That's what the resurrection was like, wasn't it? Jesus didn't have to say a word. He didn't have to make a sound about it. It was like Jesus just kind of looked at, looked at death and said, I told you. Told you I was ready. Drops the bat, takes his victory lap, comes in waving at his at his followers high-fiving the angels on the way through, right? When Jesus rose from the dead, there wasn't a lot of fanfare around, around the event. I mean, think about that. There weren't a bunch of people standing around waiting for it to happen. In fact, in fact his followers, his friends had run off. They had, they had run into hiding, afraid that they were going to get arrested, that they might get thrown in jail, that they might get put to death as well. So they had run off. They're nowhere to be found. There was this Roman cohort that was out guarding the grave because they had heard a rumor somebody might try and steal the body. So they were out there guarding the body. But they're on the outside. There's this big stone in front of the entrance. So they're on the outside while the resurrection is going on in the inside. They didn't see anything. Even you read about this angel that came down, and I love that idea that the angel came down to move the stone so Jesus could get out somehow. He just beat death. I mean, do you think he's gonna have trouble with this stone? Oh no, I'm locked in here, right? No, but the angel comes down. He's not helping Jesus out. He's not coming down either. He doesn't come down as, as a witness of that event. You know what he's doing? He comes down to move the stone so that when those women showed up and when his disciples showed up, they could get in to see that he wasn't there anymore. But he came after the fact. He opened up an already empty tomb. 
Isn't it strange that the most important event of all time takes place at a time and in a place, in a situation where nobody witnesses it? Nobody sees the thing itself. Jesus didn't come striding out, you know, blazing in glory, saying to the world, just proclaiming, I'm back, right? He didn't say that. There weren't cameras. The news crews weren't there. All the dignitaries hadn't been invited. They hadn't pulled it off like we would try and pull it off. In fact, if you read, if you read the, the accounts of it, he even took, it seems like he took his time even telling his, his closest friends, his followers about it. It was days later before people like Thomas even found out anything had happened, that they saw him. Mary heard it from the angel, but she didn't see Jesus until later. The disciples heard it from the women, but they didn't see Jesus till that night. Thomas probably heard days later. And his first words, his first words were, they weren't, I wish you could have been there, right? He didn't say, you guys, you know, you ladies, if you would have just gotten up a few minutes earlier, you would have caught it. It was awesome. You know why? Because an exclamation point doesn't make a lot of sound, a lot of noise in itself. It just is. It just, it's just there and it changes everything. But then Jesus, they remembered the words that he had spoken even earlier. And he said, you know what? It's not even about the event itself. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he said, and this has happened after, after Lazarus was resurrected, after he raised him from the dead, and he turned to Mary and he said, you know what? I am the resurrection and the life. I am the exclamation. The exclamation point wasn't just an event. It was the person. It was Jesus Christ. And coming into this world... He changed everything. You know, there's something else about an exclamation point that I think ties in here that's important for us to think about. An exclamation point needs a sentence, right? You don't just find them hanging out in space with no context. Even if they're sitting there, you know that they refer to something. You know they're talking about, and they just they, they bring energy because they always have to have something that they amplify, now, we could say, based on Romans 1, maybe it was Jesus' own life that he was amplifying, right? Romans 1 seemed to say he was declared the son of God. Well, that's all about him. But if you read further in scripture, you'll find out what's truly amazing is that Jesus didn't have to just bring attention to himself. He didn't, have, he didn't need an exclamation point. Philippians 2 says he was already God, Right? He didn't need anything drawing attention to him. He was already God. Philippians 2, 6, it says, he existed in the form of God, and then he chose to put that aside and live this life and be crucified, die that death for us, for us, so that the exclamation point that he would bring didn't raise up his story because he was God. He didn't need it. But instead that he raised our story, he raised us up to a level that we could not attain on our own. He became this exclamation point that changed everything in us. Listen to what the Bible says about what he did in us and to us. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 12 and 13 and 19, it says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ before you knew him. 
You were excluded from the commonwealth of God's people. You were strangers to the had no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Listen to this. So that now you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You're God's own children in God's own household. That's an exclamation point. Ephesians 1, 18 through 20 It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open so that you would know what is the hope of his calling. You would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then listen to this. And you would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power that he extends towards us. He works in us and through us who believe, which is that same caliber of power, that same power that he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He said he's working in you because of what Jesus did. He can be working in you with that same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead. The power of resurrection, the exclamation point. You say, well, what, what does that have to do with everyday life? What does that have to do with me? Romans 8, 28. It tells us, and you guys, many of you have heard this verse before. God works all things, causes all things to work together for the good to them who love him and are called according to his purposes. And sometimes that that verse is so poorly used because it's pulled out in the worst possible of situations. They say, don't worry, God's working for the good. And we go, how in the world is that possible? Because sometimes we go through life and there are circumstances, there are events, there are situations, there's internal stuff in us, there's external stuff that happens to us and we don't know why in those moments, why things happen the way they happen. But because of what Jesus has done, God has promised that if we have taken Jesus, if we have made him that final punctuation of our lives, We said, okay, you dictate how this sentence goes. He says, we'll get to the end of that life and we'll look back and we'll find out that the exclamation point has changed everything in the sentence for the good. Don't know how he does it. He just says, that's what he's gonna do. That is his promise to us. In the midst of it, sometimes we see that breakthrough where where God actually breaks through and he takes something that looks turns it upside down. We say, I don't know how that happened. He says, that's, that's the power of the resurrection. That's the power he has. Romans 6, 4 says this, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in the newness of that life. It's amazing, isn't it? You guys, exclamation points, they change everything, don't they? I want you to think about this. I want you to say, I want you to say, I'm here with a period after it, okay? I'm here. Now I want you to say, I'm here with an exclamation point after it. I'm here, right? Changes everything, doesn't it? Okay, I want you to say, my life has purpose with a period after. My life has purpose. Now I want you to say the same sentence, but with that exclamation point at the end of it. My life has purpose. 
You guys are going, that was silly. No, that isn't silly. You guys, that is what God says his presence in your life does. It changes everything. It changes how you would even say the most common kind of phrases in this world. I'm alive today. I'm alive today because of Jesus. That has an exclamation point after it. I know where I'm going. I know how much he loves me. I know what he has called me to. That's because he's in my life. You guys, last of all, perhaps the most important part of the story is this. I'm going to go back to our baseball metaphor for, for a moment. Baseball has uh, different ways over the years that it has been kind of uh, brought to the masses. Uh, at first, it was over, you know, early on, it was over radio, right? And you had to people would be sitting around and they couldn't be at the game. If you're not at the game, there's no way to get it live. Later, it became TV. So we can almost, we have these huge screens in our, in our uh, living rooms, right? And we have this HD TV. It's almost like you're right there at the game. In fact, some people prefer that because you get a better view, right? You're either sitting in the nosebleed seats, can't see anything, or you're sitting at home with it right in your face. And so they say, yeah, TV all the way. You know what? God chose to announce this event, this exclamation point, this event that happened but he chose to do it like radio instead of like TV. Have you thought about that? He didn't set up cameras in the, in the tomb itself and take, a, and take a video of it so that we could sit in our, in our homes and take a tape of it home and kind of go back through the, the, the rewind and the slow-mo to get every detail and make sure that we understand everything that happened. Instead, you know what he did? He says, you know what, I'm gonna use announcers with this one. Thought about that? First announcers were those, those ladies. They show up at, at the tomb and, the, and the, the angel says to him, I want you to go now and tell the disciples what went on. And then he told his disciples too, he says, and you find them going around telling the stories about, you know, I met Jesus on the road to Emmaus. I, I didn't know he was, and, and there he is and he's, he's resurrected. And then this other disciples are saying, yeah, we were sitting in this room and the doors were locked and shut and all of a sudden he was there with us. Finally, he gets them all together and he says, you know what? I want you all to go everywhere throughout the whole world and I want you to tell them the story of what happened. And not just the story of what happened in my life, but how that has changed everything in your life too. I want you to tell them this story and I want you to have it ending. I want you to end it with that, that exclamation point that is on the end of that story so that they know the importance, they know the depth, they know the, the energy, the, the power that is in this story for them. But I want to use announcers. You know, when you, when you watch a game or you listen to a game that's on the radio, it's up to the announcer to convey the, the, the energy of what he is witnessing or what she is witnessing, right? So they're in there and they, they have to tell you about the, the crack that's heard that cuts through the air. They have to tell you about how the ball is sailing through the air. They have to tell you about that, that poor pitcher that's hanging his head, just shaking it, just can't believe it. They have to tell you about how the, the batter just kind of drops the bat and runs around the bases. And God said, you know what? With this event, with this resurrection, I'm gonna use announcers when you read the gospel story in the Bible, you find out you have this sense of these people, they had witnessed this amazing thing and they're just trying to get it out with whatever words that they have. You know, Matthew and Mark, they wrote the first two gospels and, and they don't even know Greek well, which is with the, the language that it's written in. And so Greek scholars say, this is terrible Greek. 
And they go, why? I don't, I'm not exactly sure why they used Greek to try and... It's because that's what the people spoke that were out there. They're just reaching in their bag, grabbing whatever words they have. They're trying to use a tone. Mark regularly uses this word immediately. He says, immediately, Jesus did this. Immediately, Jesus did that. Because he's trying to get across the, just the excitement, the energy of this story. And so every one of them has this, this personality that comes through because God chose to use announcers, not television. And God chooses to use announcements even today. He chooses to use you and me to be his announcers. That's where this gets personal. Even in this day where we have HDTV and we have these massive screens, where a, a tape of the tomb would have been nice, right? You could have said, I just want to see it. No, I just want you to tell about it. I want you to know it. I want you to experience it because it's not an event. It's that you might know this person, Jesus, and you might know me. I know that some of you guys have met Jesus, right? Some of you guys, you've met Jesus, and it wasn't like Mary. It wasn't like, it wasn't like Thomas. He didn't come up and say, okay, here's my hands. Put your fingers in here in your hand. It wasn't like that. It wasn't, but you've met him. There's no doubt in your heart, in your mind, that you have met the living, the resurrected Jesus Christ. And his resurrection has become that exclamation point for you. Amen? Some of you guys, your whole life has been changed because of this, this punctuation that Jesus has put at the end of the sentence of your life. And God says, you have become his announcer. You are the one that has to express through that life. You're the one that tells your story and knows that there's an exclamation point at the end of it. You're the one that knows that this exclamation point isn't just some event in history, but it's a person who walks with you every, every day. You guys know it, right? That's why Christians, when they gather in those early days, they would come in and they'd say, you know what? He's risen. Yeah, but you know what? He's risen. Right? Exclamation point. Changes everything. I also know that maybe some of you, some of you are here and, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I know Jesus like that. I, I'm not sure I... I I'm not sure that I've, I've experienced him and his resurrection in a way that's like amplified everything in my existence, everything in my, in my life and in my history. You might, you might believe in God. You might, have, you might have gone to church all your life and you've tried to do even the things that you, you felt like God wanted you to do. There are some of you here that are saying, yeah, I, I have, I've been in church, I've been raised in church, but I, I don't know that I've ever met the person, I've heard about the events. But I don't know that he's changed me that way. Because I want you to know Jesus is not a belief. Jesus is not a belief. Jesus is not a religious system. He's not a certain ethic that we live our lives by. Jesus is a resurrected a resurrected man who is actually God came and put human flesh on. Jesus is a person he is God with us. And when he, when he becomes a part of your life as your friend and as your Lord and as your king, he changes everything. Everything changes. 
when you encounter him, when you reach out to him in faith, when you don't look to see him with your eyes, but as Paul had written in Ephesians, where you look with the eyes of your heart and you're, you're introduced to him. And maybe, maybe his spirit is, is there and he, he, he opens your eyes so that he is the one that like brings you to meet this Jesus. And when that happens... That's when his death and resurrection change everything. That's when these events start making sense. That's when that exclamation point transforms your life. When you reach out to him in faith, when you reach out to him in prayer. So I I would pray that if Jesus is not that kind of living reality for you this morning, you just take a moment. You know, some of you guys might be thinking, well, I, I've never prayed. I, I don't pray a whole lot. I don't know what the, it seems silly. It seems like talking to the air. I can assure you, this is not about talking to the air. Sometimes we think that the, the most real things that exist are the things that we can touch and we can feel, right? It's not true. The most real person in this universe is the God who created it all. The most real life-changing person in this universe is Jesus Christ who came and lived among us, died, resurrected, but now has gone back and sits with his father in heaven and rules over all of this. But Jesus, who is also, he says, when you gather in my name, I am present. He's right here. And if you don't know Jesus in that living, as that living person, that reality that changes everything, just to take the time. Don't, don't be put off by something like that feeling that maybe is silly to, to try talking to God or that you don't know how to talk to God. God's not listening to your words as much as he's really listening to your heart. But taking the time to just say, Jesus, I need you to be that last punctuation of my life. I need you to be that exclamation point that changes everything in me. I really hope that you'll take the time to do that. That you won't leave this space. God is here. His spirit is here. We just need to talk to him.